Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, all. Kinsey Schofield here with the To Die For Daily podcast. And we have got a packed show for you today. First off, we're going to talk to Hallmark's Katie Cassidy and Stephen about a royal Christmas crush. That's right. Christmas in July is coming to the Hallmark Channel. And on July 8th, we get to enjoy Katie and Stephen in a royal themed rom-com um it's very cute katie who plays ava goes to help build this ice royal ice resort the royal ice hotel i believe is what it's called and prince henry who is um played by stephen is obviously her love interest and doesn't know how to open a wine bottle we forgive him uh but let's talk to, to katie and stephen now on the opposite end of that interview, we're going to talk to Landon Jones, the author of Celebrity Nation. He is brilliant, former editor of People Magazine, helped launch People Magazine. They put Diana on the cover 58 times. He met Princess Diana a couple of times, and I did fin- I did forget to ask him this one question, so I'm just going to toss it at you. He writes in Celebrity Nation, the Kardashians demonstrated that public contempt is not a career killer as long as the same people that profess to despise you continue to talk about you. And I wanted to ask him if that quote at all reminded him of Harry and Meghan because it did me. Um, So Landon Jones on the other side of this Hallmark interview talking Celebrity Nation, meeting Princess Diana, what Hillary Clinton told him about Princess Diana how Elizabeth Taylor falls into the whole fold all on the other side. I hope you love this episode of the to die for daily podcast as much as I do. Thanks so much for tuning in. I love you guys. Talk to you soon. This is incredible. There's work to be done. Welcome to the coolest castle in the world where the most eligible prince delighted. Hey, I was on a date. No, it's not a date. He's in for the ride of his life. You don't know how to open a bottle of wine. Absolutely true. A royal Christmas crush. All new Saturday, July 8th at 8. Part of Christmas in July. Um, do you have any questions or anything before I start? Uh no. I don't. Oh my gosh, you guys look so fresh, so beautiful, so hallmark. My God. Oh, thank uh, you. Oh, that's <laughs> all right, and look at you with your Christmas sweater. Girl, yeah. you know it. Um, yeah. all right. Hi guys, Kinsey here with the Today for Daily podcast, and I'm so excited to be talking to Stephen Huzar and Katie Cassidy. Katie, I have been a fan of yours since we were teenagers, and oh. and Stephen, <laughs> I've been a fan of yours since I saw that jawline. So this is a big deal. Oh, I'm so great. Glad to have you All right. We're talking about. <laughs> I saw that jawline, and I was like, "What? What?" Oh. Yep. Um, uh, We're talking about a royal Christmas crush. This is a a royal podcast. Uh, Comes out July 8th. And and we love dogs on this podcast as well. This is Murphy. Hello, Murphy. Murphy. She likes to make an appearance from time to time. Where's your Christmas sweater? Murphy is the queen of this podcast. Um, (laughs) So I, first of all, Stephen, I'll just ask you really quickly. um, It's been scientifically proven that hallmark movies are good for your mental health as as yeah as an artist and as a creative person does it feel like a privilege to be involved in this this system this club um, where you're constantly making like really creative content that makes people feel good 
Um, well, that's the first I've heard that it actually is good for your mental health. So now I feel, yeah, very all about uh, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy about that actually. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for me, I just love acting. Period. If I can step into someone else's shoes, be empathetic towards that character, and and tell a tell a story that's going to inspire people, make them feel better, then I'm all in. So I'm I'm just really I'm really happy. I'm, I'm very grateful to the network. They've been obviously very, very good to me. And uh, the stories just keep getting better and my co-stars keep getting more beautiful and Aww. more talented. So alert yeah, alert. <laughs> I love it. And Katie, Ava is you know, um, she's not a damsel in distress. She She's a boss and she comes ready to work. I think I love that about a lot of Hallmark movies. These women have careers, they're talented, they're, you know, and that's what what that that's what attracts the, their significant other to them. What about Ava made you go, I like that girl and I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be that girl. Um, well, I definitely, I obviously love the fact that she, she's an architect and, um, certainly a creative type, but also we don't get too, too much into her backstory, but she has gone through, um, a tough, toxic relationship, um, and had come out of a divorce. And so there's substance there. And I liked that. And I, I also felt like I could, I could fulfill that, that backstory and, then realizing, and, and obviously after reading the script, uh, who doesn't want to be swept off their feet by a prince or a man that has this kind of jawline? <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's good. Don't think too much about it. Um, I was very much attracted to the character, but the story in general, and I love I love love who doesn't and I uh, I do love these feel good movies and I love the statistic that it is good for your right? it's better for your mental health. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. And I love that. So yeah, that's why we're that. here to make More. people feel better. <laughs> yes. And, and it, story. absolutely. Um, Steven, how does one prepare to become a prince? Is it breakfast in bed for a solid week? Is somebody shining? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. I just love to be, uh, uh, to be served. Hello, Murphy. How are you? Um, <laughs> I, uh, the preparation was, uh, well, I've been watching the crown a lot before the show. So that, that helped, um, a absolutely. lot. Um, and of course, you know, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, there, there's a lot of, you know, and, and of course the passing of the queen, there's been a lot going on. Um, so for me, it's been, um, it's just delving a little bit more into the Royals and, uh, just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certainly haven't lived that privileged lifestyle. So for me, it was, it was great to be able to, uh, jump in, have an accent and, uh, really, really experience what it would be like to, to have a lot of weight on your shoulder and a lot of expectation actually too. So um, I, I loved it actually. It was, it, for me, it was just a typical preparation as we do as actors is do a lot of backstory, trying to figure out what it would be like for me to be in this situation. And I hope it came across as natural as it, as it should be. So we'll see. It, well, it absolutely did. What was your favorite season of the crown? Cause now I'm curious. Oh, I, I actually just love the very big, like the, the whole backstory, the very first season. I yeah. loved them. So it kind of threw me a little bit when all the characters started, the, the actors started changing, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> I, was, I was really into it. And then, and then it sort of switched up a bit, but I haven't got to the, 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 the very latest episode. So I'm looking forward to seeing that in the season. So. Absolutely. Um, Katie, can you tell me about filming? Did you film around the holidays or did they throw you somewhere in like July and you're having to crank up like Harry Connick Jr. to, to hype yourself up? <laughs> 
Santa Claus, Santa Claus, it must have been oh Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, happy ho How does that work? Oh, we actually um, we shot in at the beginning of this year. Oh. Um, now Carlos, my cat, wants to make an appearance. He's I perfect. love this. This is great. <laughs> um, very furry family over here. Um, we shot at the beginning of this year, and we shot in uh, in Canada, like sort of northern uh, Ontario, Ontario, yeah, Ottawa, Canada. and also Quebec City, Quebec. Yeah, it was freezing cold. Mm-hmm. I'm from born and raised in Los Angeles, so. I was very cold <laughs> and we shot in practical snow in a practical ice hotel. It was, <laughs> it was certainly an experience. Yeah. A lot of layers. Yeah. yeah. They got really knowledgeable about layers and how important that is. Hot yeah. shots. Yeah. Hot liquids. shots. All about it. Lots of hugs from yeah. everyone. Lots yeah. of hugs. Yes. Um, Steven, did you keep anything from set? I saw some of your costumes were pretty cool. Uh, and you know, I, I, do you ever, do you ever take anything from set just as a keepsake? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll steal as much clothes as I can. Well, that's always discussed before, of course. But uh, that's a good question. I don't think I kept anything from this show. Maybe a t-shirt or something like that. Something fits really well. Why not? I honestly yeah. don't like So if someone gives me clothes, I'll fall in. You know? Oh, absolutely. You don't like to shop? My goodness. I can't relate. Uh, I know. It's not my thing. I like to be I'm in just, and out. or I'm just trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Katie, why do you think young women like myself love royals love the idea of a, of this you know a prince coming along what is it about that storyline that is just so enchanting and keeps us hanging on it goes back so many years i don't honestly if you think about it like what cinderella sleeping beauty all these uh these like stories that from years and years ago i, I don't know there's just like we love well, I think love, love, but also just this idea of becoming, I don't know, our, our adolescent selves becoming a princess is like, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I wish I had the answer. <laughs> There's so many like stories as a child that we read or watch, um, animated stories, uh, about these princesses and I don't know, just the idea of becoming one is beautiful. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I mean, for you, I've I've watched you recently. You uh, played some pretty tough characters. Was it fun to be able to all of a sudden be a princess when, you know, I'm used to seeing like your like awesomely ripped arms and you kicking butt? Was it fun oh, to be like darling? It was great. Uh, it was lovely. It was fun to be like just light, you know, like have... And he was—he is a wonderful actor. And so playing off someone who actually is, is list, who list actively listens and, and is in the scene, and you could feed off each other. It's it's awesome. Um, and not that I didn't have that on, on Arrow. Of course I did. It's just emotions were a bit more intense and dark and heavy. <laughs> Here it was much lighter. And right. And not as much love. No. Have, right? No. So it was fun. Uh, I actually, I've studied a lot of comedy. Um, so it's in lighter stuff. And I don't know, I've been very much involved in action and playing these stronger female characters. Um, but I do think Ava, you know, still is a strong, strong woman. And uh, she's just in a lighter, colder setting. You know, it's strange. It's almost like fate has brought us here to do this. Fate? Mm-hmm. How so? 
Well, when I was a little kid, we used to build snow castles together in the backyard over Christmas. In fact, they were a little bit taller than you, but as a little kid, they seemed like they were gigantic. And I remember just sitting inside of them and I would just dream about being a princess off away in a winter wonderland. It's one of my favorite holiday memories. Sorry, I, <clears throat> I'm oversharing. No, not at all. A royal Christmas crush, only on Hallmark. And this is your first Hallmark movie. Are you ready to do number two? I mean, because yeah. yeah. I was like, What's, when is the sequel happening? And are we going to a tropical island as their honeymoon? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. We could do honeymoon. Then comes the royal baby because we got to get yeah. the royal baby in there. That's it, it stops people in their tracks. Yes. I mean, the, royal baby. the baby would be really pretty. <laughs> there is no line. Will the baby have the straw? Definitely light eyes. That's eyes. the question. Green, green blue eyes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love it. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you so much. I cannot wait for a Royal Christmas crush. And will you guys be watching it with us? In, a in Royal Christmas baby to file. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I please play the reporter that announces it on some entertainment show? Like really enthusiastically? Cause I can, I can, I got that down. I got that down. Yeah, we'll totally put you in with Hallmark. Absolutely. Got You've got that. You can be great. And yeah. you're wearing a Christmas sweater yeah, that I love. Definitely so, for do you know that this is the, remember how Princess Diana Diana had the black sheep sweater. These are reindeer, and there's one little black reindeer. It's like the Diana black sheep, but with I reindeer. Love that. That's great. Amazing. Oh, that is Thank you so much. Well, huge fans of both of you. And um, you know, I think I'm so I'm so lucky to get to speak to you today. Thank you so much for your time, and I wish you luck with your success, continued luck with your uh, careers. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks Bye. for having us. Bye. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi guys, Kinsey Schofield here. Welcome to another edition of the To Die For Daily podcast. I'm with Landon Jones and you've got a beautiful new book out called Celebrity Nation. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask you as a pop culture connoisseur, as an expert, uh, I just was talking to some actors from the Hallmark Channel about royal mo themed movies and we uh -huh. couldn't figure out why you know, we love to consume fake movies about the royal family or about the, a royal theme. What's your take on that? Why do you think we love royals so much? Oh, we love this is a human characteristic that goes back to the beginning of humanity. <laughs> I mean, it goes the uh, the phrase that's often used for that is called numinosity. And when uh, numinosity is when you see someone who is uh, like a Greek god or royal, or highly, highly, highly uh, ceremonial, and you feel inferior towards them, and you become very curious about them. And so, and so you need them, you need the contact. And we see it every day. We see it when somebody famous walks into a restaurant, and the forks all freeze in the air. And <laughs> that's what happens with, with a great extent with royals. And uh, it's really always happened. It's, it's more intense now because of media, you know, obviously television, movies, but also social media, the Internet. And so we're overwhelmed by the images of royalty. So that is that has a lot to do with it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly fun to live vicariously through them from the, you know, um, glamorous events to the wardrobes. And I'm a sucker for a movie about them. I'll just it doesn't matter <laughs> how long or short it is. Now, you know, um, in Celebrity Nation, you specifically go into how People Magazine, you helped launch People Magazine, how the Royals kind of fell under the celebrity umbrella and helped to sell the product helped to sell people magazine um was it princess diana that was really the star of the show when people launched or was prince charles you know that a, oh, a charming prince no it was it was a thousand percent princess diana i mean yeah. she did it she did it all and we didn't know at first so we were putting you know prince charles or someone on the cover but diana just took it over and she 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 sort of occupied all the all the space in the room and all the air in the room, and so Charles and them dropped by the wayside, and we we simply focused on her. I mean, for better and for worse, for her, it's difficult to be a celebrity, and she had to put up with that too, as you know, as did her children, as did Prince Harry, and so on. It goes on. Oh yes, you said that Diana. Diana was on the cover of People magazine 58 times. Yes. Who, does anybody else compete with her in that? No. <laughs> no. And uh, the joke I used to say about covers of People magazine was that it was either about diet or it was about death or it was about Diana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you know, you talk a, a little bit in the book about how um, celebrities and their publicists started to use People magazine as a way um, to control the narrative a little bit, to get really great causes out, out there. But they would call you and say, we're going to give you a cover. But in return, they were definitely getting something as well. Uh, and I thought about Prince Harry recently on the cover of People magazine. Do you think it was one of those arrangements where Harry and Meghan saw the value that People magazine could bring them and they were trying to sell spare? So they were like, well, sure, we're going to work with this particular outlet. Uh, perhaps, yes. Um, I don't know what trade-offs may have been made by Harry uh, or by People, for that matter. Did they guarantee quotes? They give court approval? They give photographer approval. They give writer approval. I simply don't know. Um, but that's but interesting. That's interesting that 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 those are the types of things people would ask for for photographer approval for editorial. That's really <laughs> interesting. I didn't know that they had the power to do that. They did. Well, we refused them. Oh. I mean, I when I was the editor, we said no. But then we had to do it ourselves, and that was often much more difficult because we didn't have cooperation. But we, we did it as best as we could ourselves. One of the, speaking of Harry, I mean, one of the oddities about his situation, I think, is that he wants to have it both ways. He, he wants to, de, to denounce um, the abuses of the media on a celebrity, on him, you know, saying that he was hacked and so on by the, by, uh, by the British media and tabloids. But he also wants to use celebrity to promote his book or to promote his businesses and, you know, to be interviewed by Oprah. So he, he tries all of those things, but he wants it both ways. I mean, and in some ways, you can't really have it both ways. You have to make a choice. Either you're not going to be a part of the celebrity industrial complex or you, you are going to be part of it, one or the other. 
Yeah, that's really interesting because Diana seemed to have accepted it, accepted that she could really make change, positive change in the world by utilizing this media presence she had. And she was so curious to really understand it better and to, to take control of it so much so that she invited you to Kensington Palace and you got to, you met, you, we think you met Paul Burrell and, you know, yeah. you, you were invited inside and spent, you, you described her in such a beautiful way where she was flirtatious yet professional. And when she would giggle or laugh, she'd put her hands on her face or across her chest. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that day? Oh, yes. Well, we, we had asked to see her and interview her because we wanted to invite her to participate in a charity event in Chicago that we thought, well, people could raise money for a charity and, and Diana could too, because we knew she was interested in doing that. And so that was the reason. And so we went in and, uh, you know, we, we were briefed on how to talk to her, at least I was, and I blew all of that. I mean, they said, you know, you have to address her as your highness, and I, I just said, how are you? <laughs> I forgot to bow. And and, uh, and she was completely charming. And, and that was a surprise. I mean, the, a big lesson I learned about celebrity in my book, and it, it applies to everyone from Malcolm X, who I talked to, to Princess Diana, is that when you think you understand them, you don't. Mm -hmm. And she was ghoulish, almost flirtatious, giggly, but also smart, very decent. She cared deeply about her charity. She wanted to raise money for pediatric AIDS. She wanted to raise money for the Royal Marston Hospital, I think for cancer research. And so she, she cared deeply about these things. But And she, she knew she could use the media to help her achieve those goals. So we ultimately did the, the uh, dinner in Chicago uh, with her. That was a great success. And you, there were three rules if you wanted to dance with her. You had to be married, you had to be a good dancer, and you had yes. to be taller than six foot one. Is that what they were? <laughs> I, was, I was two out of three, and uh, <laughs> but I'm not six foot. <laughs> I and, know. Some, some other get, guy danced with her. What? Oh, I was going to say, did you get your dance with her at all? No. I sat, I, she was my dinner partner. I sat next to her and I enjoyed sitting next to her. And it, she's, she, by the way, is a world-class small talker. Oh, really? she, she could meet anybody. If she were to meet you right now, she'd say, oh, Kenzie, it's so nice to meet you. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What did your parents do? And she would just start asking you questions and you would answer and you'd warm up towards her. And yeah. she was like, really good at that. You know, psychologists call this a parasocial relationship that you wind up having with a celebrity in which you feel like an intimate relationship with them. And you feel like you know them, but they don't know you at all. <laughs> yes, I get that. I, I, I related to that in the book because sometimes even with the podcast, people really feel connected to you and you want to connect to them back, but it's, it's hard to connect with every single person. Um, but they really do feel like they know you because you spend so much time in their head and in their ears. Um, <laughs> you've got true. this, you've got this beautiful picture with Diana, um, on the back of the book. Um, you talk about, you talk about her a lot in, in the book. I was surprised at, at how much 
you got to know her and spend time with her. And I was also surprised that people would send you to London to meet her. But were were you shocked when you got the approval from the palace that you had an invitation? Yes. Well, the our London bureau chief was overwhelmed and delighted. And he called me up and said, guess what, Diana has said, yes, we can go meet her. And so I was on the next plane out of there. And so uh, uh, we really did truly uh, want to meet her. But from her point of view, it was part of her media strategy. And when I met her, she she said that. She said, you know, I want to get along better with the press so um, I don't get damaged by the press. And she said, uh, you know, I'm seeing you. And uh, I think I said to her, why are you seeing me? And she said, well, I was probably getting, getting along with the press. And I'm going to see Mr. Murdoch, too. And so uh, and he was in charge of, you know, News Corp and all of these the tabloids that were that were living on like parasitic uh, fish off her. Yeah. And, you know, Meghan Markle and Princess Diana both met with Pierce Morgan. So it's almost like Meghan had a similar thought process when it came to strategy at the beginning of her relationship, but quickly realized that maybe she shouldn't, well, based on what Harry told her, decided to go in a different direction. Yes, I know. I've been thinking a lot about Meghan and Harry, and I've been thinking about uh, Harry a little bit with regard to some other young men in the news. So you have Prince Harry, you have... uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. running for president. You have Hunter Biden just getting indicted. And all three of these men um, are the what Naples. They're the son, the sons of famous people. Yeah. And all three of them had a parent who died early. And oh. so so as Harry, his mom died, uh Robert Kennedy Jr., his father died, and Hunter Biden, his mom died. Um, and so you know, all that, they had a very similar experience, and they um, and they have to negotiate their relationship with the media, and it's been very difficult, I think, for all of them. And the media is very judgmental about them, and that's another interesting aspect. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, you talk a lot about, well, not a lot, but you definitely broach the Kennedys in your book. And I'd never heard of this strategy before, but I believe it was with the Kennedys and the royal family to to get, you know, stories on them. I think, what did you call it? You you would send multiple people out to hang around. So for for instance, there was somebody sent to Royal Ascot, I believe, and she was yes. around the queen. But you would have to send kind of like multiple bodies out. And- we would. Yeah. yeah we, call, we called it a swarm. Swarm, then, yeah. Uh, so it was like a swarm of bees or whatever. Or, you know, but it was a swarm of reporters who, if we couldn't get cooperation from the, protagonist and from the celebrity, the star, we just sent out 20 reporters to interview everybody we could think of around them. And from that, you got enough to write an article, which we did. So that's really interesting because you talk about the swar- sending the swarms for the Kennedy family or sending the swarms yes. for the royal family. And, you know, Harry, when he took the mirror group to court, 
said he did not have any proof that he was hacked, but he just couldn't understand how journalists would get some of that information. But then reading in, you know, reading in Celebrity Nation that you would send these swarms of people out to get pieces of information, it's like, oh, Harry, it's called journalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. I haven't heard anyone say that, that you're right to say that. <laughs> um, you know, um, staying in the political space, you actually met Hillary Clinton one time and you had a copy of People magazine in your hands. And Diana, of course, it was one of her 58 covers. Yeah. <laughs> and Hillary took the, the copy from you. And what did she say? Diana married too young. Is that what she yes. had mentioned? Well, I had never met her. And so we uh, met in, in Little Rock when, when her husband was running for president. And I had the co a copy just off the presses of the latest issue of People with Diana on it. And so I said, oh, not very nice to meet you. And here's the latest issue of People. And I handed it to her. And she looked at it. I can still see her during this. She held the magazine up, up high and looked at it and said, oh, Princess Diana. Then she said, oh, she died. She married way too young. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and but th that told me something about the prominence of Diana and this whole celebrity world is a world of gossip. It was people talking over the neighborhood back fence. And that's what she was doing to me. She was just saying, oh, Diana married too young. That's why she's so unhappy. But this is what neighbors do with one another. It helps form a community. And so in a sense, she was a clever politician in that way. Yeah, you could just imagine her sitting at the hair salon, getting her hair done, flipping <laughs> through people, talking to everybody about what was going on in Diana's life. Uh, they seemed close towards the end of Diana's life. Um, did you ever have any interactions with Hillary after Diana passed? And did you know how she felt about that? I didn't really. I had a few interactions, but I don't really remember talking to her explicitly about that. Yeah. Um, she was she was pretty careful, and you know, and, and she'd been burned by the press too, and so she she was careful around people people like me, and um, so no, the answer was no. <laughs> um, what was your favorite cover of for uh, royal related cover? I should say when you worked at People Magazine, do you remember or do you have oh, a favorite? Oh man, well, I th well, from my from my point of view, it was a cover based on. When she came to Chicago, so it was selfishly we we wrote about our our dinner with her and the money we raised with her, and so um, I was happy with that. Um, the other ones, you know, journalistically, they were often swarms, and so you know, we I I can't really you know single out one of them exactly. Um, that Chicago cover, there is a sweet it's a i can't i'm spacing on the hotel right now but i've written written about the hotel in chicago on my website today for daily.com but the hotel where diana stayed when she went to chicago for that charity event there's a an entire suite dedicated to her where she stayed and it has the same workout equipment she used in it oh and really I, yeah, and when I wrote a, a story about it over the last few years, I found that People magazine cover and I sent it to the hotel and I said, you should really frame this. You should buy this vintage magazine and frame this and put it in the suite because I thought it was so neat 
that there was this beautiful photo of her in Chicago. She'd probably gotten ready right there in that hotel room. I don't know if they ended up doing it, but I thought it was so fun to find that cover and send it to the hotel and say, that you is know, fun. isn't that yeah. great? Yeah, um, she, she loves Chicago and she'd never been there before. And so she, I think we said to her something like, where would you like to do this? Is Chicago okay? And she said, well, that's wonderful. I've never been there before. And so it was her first visit to Chicago. And so she loved looking. And the hotel had a lake view. And, and the hotel, I, th I believe the room did. And so she could she could really get to understand Chicago. Well, um, so I would like to know what inspired this book. Because if you are a pop culture lover, this is a really interesting read because you break down step by step how some of the most famous people became famous and why psychologically people are attracted to these people and and why we engage the way we do so what led you down that road why why did you want to do well, that i wanted it to be more than just a bunch of funny stories about celebrities and, and name dropping i wanted to find out, I wanted to understand celebrity and what it, and what celebrity was doing to American culture. And uh, I'd gone to a focus group once, and that, by the way, was in Chicago. And, um, and the focus group leaders used to ask the people in the focus group, uh, who are your heroes, to kind of warm them up. But then I went, and one time she had stopped asking the question. And so I said, why don't you ask people who their heroes are anymore? And she said, because they can't think of any. And then I thought, there's something there. They can think of celebrities, but they cannot think of a hero. And somehow celebrities were squeezing heroes out of the national psyche and the national consciousness. And so then I thought, there's a clue. And so I wanted to go down that road and learn more about how celebrity works and who, who pays for it, you know, and why they do it and uh, what damage is done. A lot of damage is done to celebrities. I mean, celebrity life expectancy it's much shorter than um, than that of the average American. Wow. And for a, a woman who is a celebrity, it is 20 years fewer years. And so it is way less. And so celebrities pay are damaged by what happens to them. And then for celebrity worshipers, people who worship them, they lose contact with their community. They become very devoted to a celebrity. And so they stop voting. They don't vote as much as people who are not celebrity worshipers. They, um, you know, they, they don't join the bowling league. They, they don't join the parent-teacher association. And so they lose a lot, too. And then the community loses a lot because the people we are now electing to political office more are more for name recognition and face recognition, but not accomplishment. And, that, and that, we see that in every election now. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, I, th I, th you, you start the book with the he the definition of hero, and when I asked myself who are your heroes, I did think of Princess Diana. Is does that make sense to you? Is that based on your definition of hero? Is that yeah. appropriate? I think she became that. I think it took her a while to get there. She she had to she had to have a, a fall. She had a fall. In fact, maybe literally, and but also figuratively. And uh, then she had to redeem herself with her charitable activities, which she did. She did not seek publicity really for them. 
And she she did it on her own. So she was trying to raise money to get rid of landmines, you know, in, in uh, Uganda and, and uh, Bosnia. And uh, she did that out of sincerity. So she was trying to serve a cause, a cause larger than herself. And she did not seek self-aggrandizement for it. And so I think I admired her similarly as you did. I'm going to ask a controversial question. Do you get the sense that Harry and Meghan are have causes higher than themselves? Oh, so that's a good question, and I I don't know that um, that they do now. Maybe I'm not reading every article, but I've never heard of what that cause is, and um, that's a that's an interesting point to think about. It used to be said that a a celebrity without a cause. It's like a woodpecker without a tree, and uh, but so we sort of you almost expect it, but yeah. but you but you don't get it. I, I haven't noticed that with them, and it, and it's it's how they differ from really both of their parents, from both you know King Charles and from uh, Princess Diana. Right. No, you're right because I think of and I think of the environment with the king, and then with Diana, yes. I think of AIDS. I think of children. You know, I think I mean, I think of I think of even breast cancer with Diana. I think of a million causes. But with Harry, it feels like he's wrapped up in so much. I mean, I think with suing the mirror group, that's something he's trying to make um, his legacy, uh, changing the face of journalism in the UK. Um, and maybe it'll work. It could absolutely work. A judge has not made a decision yet. Um, right. But I do think he's wrapped up in so much controversy that it drowns out the goodwill he's trying to do. Yes. Yeah. So it'll be interesting when this, when the current trial ends. And I have no idea what the verdict will be. It'll be a hard one for him to win, I suspect. Um, but if he does win, he'll take uh, a lot of credit for it. And uh, he'll use that, as you say, as, as the cause that he wanted to serve, which is, I mean, he would call it decency and privacy for, for public figures. This goes right into what we were just talking about. Diana had said to you that she was concerned about the effects on her children when it came to the tabloid press. Um, that's really interesting that she was so open with you about that. Yes, it certainly was. Yeah, she was very concerned about it. And that's the way she put it, by the way. She didn't say, you know, they're ruining my reputation. She didn't say that. She said that they're hurting the children. And she said that. And so that was her point of view, that she was trying to help the children. And, um, I mean, that's, I feel like listening to you say that and reading that in your book, does it does make me feel some a lot of sympathy towards Harry, because if it was already on Diana's heart 30 years ago, then he, clearly this is something he grew up kind of haunted by. Yeah, yes, that's well, that's well said. You've, you kind of um, compare Elizabeth Taylor to Princess Diana in a way. You said that what would Diana be doing today if she were alive? You really felt like she might follow in her footsteps and just really be this presence for charity and philanthropy. Um, and had you, you had uh, had the opportunity to engage with Elizabeth Taylor too. Yes, I did. And it was a similar experience in a way. When I met Elizabeth Taylor, I was expecting a 
a movie star. And I was expecting, uh, you know, the Elizabeth Taylor, who was a playgirl and had been married, you know, six times to seven husbands and, and, and uh, you know, Liz and Dick and all of that. But and I, when I met her, I felt the numinosity, the awe. Like I dropped my tape recorder, I dropped the flowers I brought for her. But anyway, I sat her down and she was a serious person. And she was uh, trying to raise money and do good work for, notably for pediatric AIDS and um, and in the honor of, of her friend Rock Hudson, who she wanted to help. So she had, at the end of her life, she was not a playgirl. She was a serious fundraiser and was helping also her friend Elizabeth Taylor, who started, excuse me, uh, Elizabeth Glazer, who started uh, the group called Pediatric AIDS. And um, so Elizabeth Taylor was very devoted to that. It was not what I expected. And it, but, uh, and, but I was rather, I'm not sort of charmed as the right word. I was, I was rather impressed by it. <laughs> and uh, you had spoken in the book about where the word paparazzi stemmed from. And it was them getting pictures of Elizabeth. T was it Liz and Dick that they had snapped some shots of on vacation? Yes. Yeah, the paparazzi, maybe it was when Liz Taylor made the movie Cleopatra. And uh, with Richard Burton, they were maybe both married to other people. And they and they were... Uh, and they were sort of necking on a on a on the yacht on a uh, dock someplace in Italy, and the paparazzi who were just arriving took pictures of them, and they ran everywhere. And then similar pictures later, many years later, ran, ran of Princess Diana and her Dodi Afayad, and also doing more or less the same thing on a boat. And yeah. so that was a strange parallel. But the common quality, there were the common. Uh, impact on them was that of the paparazzi were, were sort of invading both of their privacies. Right. Absolutely. Um, you described leaving Kensington Palace, and it was so sad. You had gone there, obviously, for this charity discussion, and so Diana could feel more comfortable with media. Um, but you described her walking you out and then seeing her back in the doorway alone and lonely waving goodbye to you. I know. It was so poignant because I thought maybe in, in my mind's eye that she would turn around and close the door and forget about us. But she did not do that. She just stayed there with the door open while we were being driven off by a taxi and just stayed, stayed there, stood there and waved at us. And it was a very, alone, and it was a very poignant, and the loneliness was part of it. And in her apartment, she had photographs on all the tables, but they were all of Harry, of Harry and William. There were none of Charles or any of the other royal family. Oh, she was crazy about her babies. Yeah. Um, this isn't necessarily addressed in Celebrity Nation, but you've seen kind of the highs and lows of celebrity. You've seen us chasing Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears, and Paris Hilton, the helicopter chases. Um, it feels like celebrity is not as relevant as, as it once was. It feels like there's been a real change is that social media? Is has social media changed the um, the hype, the buildup around celebrity? 
are they, is it less special now because people are so attainable? Yes, it seems like it's much less special. And when someone is well known, we no longer know why. Um, and people don't know why, why Kim Kardashian is famous. What does he do? What, but it, it's almost like it doesn't matter because the marketing community and the media want eyeballs. And so they, and they want customers. And so they just keep using her as a sales tool. And so they, they keep putting out these people as, as, as worthy of fame, but this fame without accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that makes me, me very sad. And, and I don't really know where it's going. It may be that people will get tired of this, that the public will get tired of it. You know, we start talking about heroes again. Although I think the media, needs to do more to talk about unvarnished heroes who are not being paid to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I wonder sometimes, too, if that's why the royals are capable of keeping the mystique, because they do distance themselves from being too attainable. Yes, that yes, that's interesting. And they and they do. And they said, why? They thought it was there's a certain remoteness that uh, uh, fascinates people. And so it, they want to find out more. That They, they want a scratchy itch. And so that, that does happen. And that's probably why People Magazine always sold so many copies of Diana. Absolutely. <laughs> such a stunner. Um, well, Landon, this has been such a pleasure. Uh, anyone can order Celebrity Nation on Amazon right now. You can get it in ebook format and you can also get it on audiobook. Thank you so much for your time today. And I love the book. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, thank you so much, Kenzie. Love right. talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sir. Bye.